The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Luke chapter 6, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those From whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Even your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is God's word for today. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you so Let's make the most of this beautiful day As long as we're here, we might as well say Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Hey, Axe Church, won't you be my neighbor? I'm going to invite the kids up, so anyone who wants a front row seat, now's the time. It's always terrifying because they outnumber me up here. It's like 30 to 1. They all gang up on me. You could totally take my shoes. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. You guys have a good weekend? Nice. Well, I am waiting for a special friend. Do you guys want to meet my special friend today? I think I heard her. One second. Oh my gosh. Miss Jojo. Do you guys know Miss Jojo? Yes. Sweet. I'll tell you what. Miss Jojo, you want to take you want to take the big chair today? Yes. Yes. Thank you. No problem. So Jojo, how are you doing today? And no, she's not my wife. Um <laughs> You're not very good. What happened? I'm angry. You're angry? Why? Chocolate chip 
ready for me. I was so excited all day. I was thinking about this night. I was so excited. Okay? And I got home, and guess what was not there? My cookie. My cookie was not there. And you want to know who ate it? My sister. And I'm really angry at her because she ate my cookie that she knew was just for me. Do you guys ever get that way? Do you guys ever get really angry when like a sibling or a friend eats one of your things or does something mean, right? It's hard, right? And takes one of your things, right? And it gets in your heart and you're like, ah! How many of you guys ever want to just scream? Ah! Lots of noise. I know, right? Well, I know, right? Our, our friends and our family do that sometimes. But there is an interesting thing. You know, Jesus talked about that. In fact... He said that whenever we do something wrong, it hurts God. But do you know what God's response is? God forgives me. He says, even when you hurt me, I'm going to forgive you. And beyond that, he says, I love you. Can you guys repeat after me? God forgives me. God and God loves me. And then he says, Jojo, when your sister steals your cookie, that even though it hurts, he says, since God forgives you, we're supposed to forgive our family and friends even when they hurt us. And we're supposed to love our family and friends even when they hurt us. Do you think you can forgive your sister? Yes, I think I can. Okay, I know it can be hard sometimes. I've got a younger sister too. Tell you what, Miss Jojo, will you do a repeater prayer with these kids to help us learn how to forgive and love like God loves and forgives us? Okay. All right, guys, we're going to do a repeater prayer. One, two, three, clap. Dear God, thank you, thank you for forgiving us, for forgiving us so, that we can so that we can forgive others. Thank you, thank you for, loving us so much, for loving us so much so that we can also, so we can also love, others. love others. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. All right. Littles, you guys are heading out. You guys are learning about... Abraham and Lot today. Ooh, very cool. Someone might turn into a pillar of salt. Anyway, we will let the little ones leave, and us biggins will stay here. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. You are a good God, even when we rebel, even when we act um, out of our own sinful nature, Lord, when we don't treat others as uh, you have so graciously treated us. Lord, we pray today that as we continue to uh, dive into that second command you gave your people to love our neighbor as ourselves, Lord, that we can live that out, not just with those who it comes naturally with, not just those who love us naturally, but even those who have hurt us, even those who have wounded us. Lord God, we say this on our son's precious name. Amen. So again, we are in week three of Mr. Miller's Neighborhood, looking specifically at what it looks like to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we talked about in the first week how Jesus literally shows up in John, and it says that he moved into the neighborhood. He pitched his tent to show us the love and the grace and the truth of God. And then last week we talked about, okay, so that's why Jesus came, but then who qualifies as our neighbor? And by the Good Samaritan, we find out that any person that God brings into our path, any person that we intersect with, that qualifies as our neighbor. And again, that's all well and good, but once we get to today's reading, this is where it kind of gets a little more 
difficult, to say the least. When I was growing up, I was about 16 years old, and that's when really my faith started to come alive. I grew up in the church, I knew the prayers, I was confirmed, all that stuff. But it wasn't until I was about 16 where it really took root, and it really was like, oh, this is my faith, and I started to make it my own. And I had my own Bible. And I used to treat this Bible like it was this sacred thing, and it is sacred, but one of those things where like, I would make sure it was taken care of, I had a cover for it, the whole nine yards, and I didn't want to touch it, right? I didn't want to screw it up. And then one of my youth pastors actually came, and one day he highlighted a verse in my Bible, and it was scandalous. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's God's word, you can't do that. He's like, no, Josh, this is, this is God's word, but he wants you to be able to use it. And then it gave me permission to start highlighting and underlining and asking questions in my Bible. And so my Bible, as the years went on, became this different color-coded, highlighted version of itself, right? And so if I wanted to remember Bible verses that I really cared about or that really spoke to me, I would highlight those. Well, if you were to find that Bible today, and I lost it about 10 years ago, and now I highlight new Bibles, just to give you permission that it's okay to get a new Bible, this Bible verse that we're talking about today was not in there, right? There were all kinds of Bible verses, like, for how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That was highlighted. Love your neighbor as yourself, that was highlighted. For God knit me together in my mother's womb, that was highlighted. But this? But to you who are listening, I say... Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Yeah, that wasn't highlighted in my Bible, all right? That wasn't one of those Bible verses that gave me the good, warm feelings, because all of us have people who hate us. I don't want to do good to them. All of us have people who have cursed us, who have gossiped behind our backs about us. I don't want to bless them and pray for those who have mistreated me. Oh, <laughs> forgive me, hell no, all right? Like, that's not something that is in our natural posture. Even within our Christian language, this isn't something we are very comfortable with. And so to be completely honest with you, when I was growing up, I was very tempted to just kind of skip over these verses, right? If God convicted me of something, or if I felt like, oh, this might be going down this, I would just speed read it. Um, that was another thing that I used to do. So I would read through the Bible every year and how I would get through Leviticus. This is a true story. I would go into my church's sanctuary. I would sit down and I would force myself to read Leviticus in a half an hour. But I would just read it, right? Like I was just like, make sure the words are counted. But I wouldn't actually digest any of it because I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with cutting off a chicken's head and like putting its oil on my... Anyway, like it didn't make sense. And so I would speed read it so I didn't have to digest it. That's what I would do with texts like this. And yet what we're going to see is as the scripture goes on, how we treat others, and especially our enemies, is going to give us a good barometer. It's going to give us a good understanding of where we are at with God. In fact, how we are interacting with God's grace and God's love. Because it's not an either or. We don't get to pick and choose what Bible verses we get to listen to. We don't get to pick and choose who we love and who we forgive. Right? So Jesus goes on in the section of scripture and he says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, this is an interesting place, because this is what we refer to even in culture as the golden rule, right? So even if you're not a Christian... 
You know the golden rule. Treat others, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But we don't put that in this context, right? Like typically when I hear about someone talking about the golden rule, whether it be on the news or in a book or whatever else, this is not the context, right? It doesn't normally start off with saying, hey, if someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. Open yourself up for another hit, right? Or if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Like this is not normally the context we think of the golden rule in. And yet, it frames what Jesus is trying to get at. Because this system of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, it never stops. Every person in this room has hurt someone else. Every person in this room has been that kid who stole the cookie from someone else or who gossiped behind someone else's back. In fact, every single person in this room in the last 24 hours has participated in that. And what happens is when we live in an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, it doesn't stop and everyone ends up blind. Everyone ends up deaf. Everyone ends up dead. And so Jesus comes into the story and he says, we're going to stop this cycle. We're going to say no We're going to live with the framework of, I want what's best for everyone. No matter if they've been nice to me in the last 24 hours or they were a real jerk in the last 24 hours, I want what's best for them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, there is one caveat I want to just take a moment and say, though. This verse... In fact, nowhere in Scripture, though, then, then, then does it advocate for you to remain in cycles of abuse. Right? That is not what this verse is getting at. And sometimes, as Christians, we can be like, well, God says you have to forgive me. God says you have to love me. So you have to stay in this situation. If someone is perpetually hurting you and keeping you in a space, right, where they are intentionally and regularly and cyclically attacking you, That does not qualify in what he was just talking about because the command is love your neighbor as yourself. And this is really important in this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. If you are not allowed to be removed from those cycles, then it's actually a curse to your neighbor. Think about it backwards. If your neighbor was in a cycle of abuse, Would you say, you know what, love is them staying in that spot? No, you wouldn't. You would say, you need to remove yourself from that because God has better for you. So if we are called to love our neighbor as ourself, we have the liberty and the freedom and the right to remove ourselves from the cycle of that abuse. So what Jesus is not saying is, hey, just put yourself out there over and over again to be run over by the same truck. That is not what he's getting at, right? So this is important. Forgiveness, love, and reconciliation are three separate things. Christians are called to the first two without any exterior motive or action from another person. Forgiveness and love, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. But reconciliation, the restoration of a relationship, that takes the third party. That can't be done just on our side of the street. So I just want to kind of hammer this down just in case. Well, not just all of us have been in abusive situations. And I don't want you to then pick up the hammer of this message and be like, wow, I really did wrong when I left this situation. 
That's not what the scripture is talking about. But it does call us to relate to people differently, and that's what Jesus is going to get into. And no matter what situation we're in, there is an opportunity to forgive and to love, and that's what we're going to address today. So scripture goes on, and it says, Jesus talking, says, For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? You see, even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those who you expect for payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. What Jesus is talking about here is what we see in every society, in every nation, this reciprocal transactional relationship love. So if you're good to me, of course I'm going to be good to you. If you're a good neighbor to me, of course I'm going to be a good neighbor to you, right? Because in that, we've got this cycle of good things happening, and we're just kind of perpetuating a healthy situation, right? I remember when I was growing up, uh, I was 21, 22, and I had a group of friends. And there were some friends where I knew if we went out and we got pizza or we were getting a drink or whatever it was, if I bought one day, they would eventually buy me back the next time, and we had this good relationship. I had other friends, though, who wouldn't pay me back the next time. And so what I would do is be like, well, I know who I'm going to hang out with. Or I know who I will buy lunch for and not buy lunch for based on whether I expected them to buy me lunch back at another time. This is how the world operates. But what Jesus says is, hey guys, I'm setting up a different system. And it's not going to be transactional. It's not going to be purely based on What can I get out of this in the long run? Is this relationship going to benefit me somehow if I invest in it? He goes, guys, that is not the heavenly, that is not the kingdom of God here on earth that Jesus came to bring. And then he starts to unpack what the kingdom is going to look like. He goes on. He says, but love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Take them out to lunch without the expectation that they're going to get you back at a future time. See, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. He sets up a different system. But what's beautiful is he doesn't say set it up by yourself. He doesn't say you as humanity, you as individuals are going to set up this system. He goes, guys, guess what? God's already done that for you. He doesn't ask anything out of us that he isn't willing to pay in full beforehand. And it's in Jesus' life. It's in him moving into the neighborhood and us seeing how he responds to those who were persecuting him those who were his enemies, those who were talking bad about him, those who ultimately killed him. Even in those moments, he sets up a different system. This comes from when he's on the cross. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. So this is while he's being led out to be executed. So he's already been mocked. He's already been stripped of his clothes. He's already been given 39 lashes. He's already been paraded through the middle of the city. Humiliated. Here is your king. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there. Along with the criminals on his right and on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up.
I mean, I'm glad it's off. I, I, I really do think it's possessed by some demon, though, because there's some weird stuff happening with that speaker. Anyway, um, on the day where we literally betrayed, humiliated, crucified, and would ultimately kill Jesus, his response is, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And sometimes we can just look at this historically and be like, yeah, those people killed Jesus. No, those people didn't kill Jesus. Humanity killed Jesus, and every single one of us in this room, had we been in that situation, would be there alongside all the other enemies of Jesus. In fact, every day we're going to leave the parking lot of this church, and we will be enemies of the kingdom of God in how we treat people and what we say online and how we treat our family or our friends. And what scripture says is every time that we perpetuate the cycle of sin and evil, we hurt God. We're hurting his kids, his family, his creation. And yet, even when we are in that active state of rebellion, his response is, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Because at the end of the day, we sometimes think we understand what we're doing when we're sinning, but we really don't. I mean, we get that we're hurting someone. We get that we're speaking bad about someone. We know it's wrong, but we don't even know the full extent of how bad it is, of how much destruction we're doing. In that moment, in that posture, we're ignorant. And we have a God who still breathes his love and his forgiveness over us, and he says, Father, forgive them but they don't know what they're doing. He was the first moving piece in this new society and this new posture of how we relate to people, even our enemies. He goes on, and he says, so do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shake it together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And thus becomes the heart of what he's getting at. The heart of how we do this. Do not judge and you won't be judged. Do not condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. We know how the world operates. Transactional. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And all of us do this. And we need this in certain ways, right? We need to have justice systems. We need to have rules in place because we live in a broken world. And so from a society world, we need to have certain consequences to actions. But within the heavenly economy, within what God is doing spiritually and physically through his church and through his kids, he sets up a new way to play. He sets up a new world. And we can't live in that world if we're not willing to share that with everyone else we come in contact to. You see, the same hands that we hold our own sin, the same hands that we hold all our past mistakes, right? all the brokenness, all the hurt, the same stuff that we hold there, and then we open our hands and we give it to God and say, can you forgive this? And he says, yes, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Those same hands are the same hands that hold everyone else's sin. 
all the times that you've been hurt, all the times that someone's come into your life. And we can't hold on to those sins, but try to let go of ours. We can't try to live in two worlds at the same time. We either live in the world our Father and Jesus is setting up that is full of love and grace and truth and beauty where everyone's sins are forgiven. Or we say, no, I don't want that world. I want to hold on to this other stuff more than I want to be able to give up my own stuff. But as Christians, we don't get both. And it's not because God's mean. It's not because God's like, well, you know, I really, no, 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 no. It's literally the new world. And he's saying you either live in this new world where everyone gets forgiveness and everyone gets love, or you live in the old world. But you can't be in two places at the same time. But he says, guys, in this new world, I know it's countercultural. I know it's counter to everything you know. But when you release other people's sins, that's where you actually find real freedom. When you're able to love even those who have hurt you, he goes, guys, your life is going to be so much more full. And yes, it's hard. It's simple, right? It's not that complicated to understand, but it is probably the hardest things we have to do as Christians. Because it goes against everything. And yet in there, we find healing and we find truth and we find freedom and we find relief that we don't have to carry that for the rest of our lives. God doesn't want you to have to carry your sin. God doesn't want you to have to carry your neighbor's sin or your family's sin or your coworker's sin. He doesn't want you to carry every piece of gossip that's ever been said about you. He doesn't want you to have to carry every betrayal you've ever had. He says, I want you to be free. And I want you to pass that freedom and that love unto everyone who comes into contact with you. And it's a new system, it's a new way of living, but it's so much more beautiful and powerful than that old way where everyone had to be our enemy. And we always had to look, be on the lookout of how I'm gonna get them back because, guys, I got something better for you. I wanna teach you a different posture, a different way of life. And that's what we find in the Lord's Prayer, right? It comes from Matthew 5. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, everything we need. But then what does it say? And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then this is the context Jesus puts this verse in. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive them their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's not about an action here. It's about a posture. Forgiveness isn't an action. It's a state of being. It's a posture before God that says, I am completely open to you and your love and your grace and your divine favor. And if we're in that posture, we have to share that posture with everyone else that comes into our lives. We get to share that posture with everyone else who comes into our lives. We get the ability to love even when someone has hurt us, even when someone is still trying to hurt us. And again, that doesn't mean we have to go back into that relationship. That doesn't mean we have to go back and be like, all right, I'll take another bus to the head. Right? That's not what it's saying. But we don't have to carry that hurt, and we can actually pray for those who have hurt us. Remember, that's how this started. To do good for those who hate us, to bless those who curse, 
and to pray for those who are our enemies. We're liberated in that. God gives us a gift, a freedom, a new reality that we get to live in, and then we get to share that reality with those who have harmed us. And guys, this new reality has power. Because as we pour out that same forgiveness and love that God has poured onto us, it changes the dynamics of those relationships. And they actually see it differently. I told this story before, but I mentioned that I was about 16 years old when my faith really became alive. And my family had been really good at the eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We were really good at arguing. We were really good at going at it. And there's a verse in Proverbs that says, a harsh word stirs up anger, but a gentle word distills dissent. And I remember the exact argument I was in with one of my parents. And, oh, they said something that hurt me. And all I wanted to do was curse them. All I wanted to do was eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Here we go. And that verse had me hold my fist back, right? Had me hold that word that I was going to say, that comment I was going to make. And I had a choice. And I said, you know what, God, you, you, you forgive me. So I am going to forgive and bless in response to this thing that was just said to me. And it was hard. I didn't do it perfectly. But that became my new posture. And it was my sister about five years later when talking about how our family had changed, how we didn't fight the same way that we used to. And she said, you know, Josh, it happened when you really fell in love with Jesus because, because you started treating us differently and then we started treating you differently and then we all started treating each other differently. <laughs> because when we're able to love our enemies, it provides a different alternative we get to get off the crazy off-ramp of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and eventually other people are like, you know what, that actually looks happier, that actually looks more peaceful, that actually looks more beautiful and better for the situation, and we're not going to do it perfectly, but it is transformative. And it helps us fall deeper in love with God and helps our family fall deeper in love with God. It helps us model that same love and that same good news, that gospel that Jesus gives to us when we're able to pay that forward into the lives of our family and our friends as we were talking with our kids, even when they hurt us. It creates new realities, full of that grace and truth that Jesus came to bring when he moved into the neighborhood. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to uh, sing a song, reflect on a song called Us for Them. It's from Gunger, uh, and uh, the whole premise of it, is it us or them, or is it us for them? And we're going to use that as a reflection as a time to go into communion, where we literally have God saying, it's me for you. I'll die for you. I'll forgive you, but I'm going to fill you with grace and love and truth so you get to operate differently and pay that forward to love in that posture that I have loved you. I ask you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're a good God. You are a God who continually finds ways to speak, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing into our life. Lord, all of us turn to our own ways. All of us turn to our own desires, our own best thinking, and it just leaves us dark and carrying the weight and grasping onto things that we're not meant to carry. Lord, we pray for your spirit, your heart, that we may be able to pay forward the love and the grace that you have put into our life. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.